You receive a lot of questions as a baby priest. And uh, still the one that I think is most popular is, Father, what happened to the beard? <laughs> Six weeks later, we're still talking about it. All right, the beard's gone. Yes, yes. But probably another question that I get asked a lot, and I love being asked it and being able to talk about it, is, Father, what do you love about being a priest? You do lots of different things. What do you love about being a priest? And there's, there's a laundry list. There's a lot of things that I love about being a priest. It is a wonderful, wonderful life and calling. But honestly, one of my answers that I hear myself constantly saying is, I love seeing how my priesthood is at the service of marriage and families. I love being a part of the family here at St. Michael, and I love being invited into so many different families who are present here. I love coming over for dinner. I love being able to be present uh, in our amazing school, uh, to be able to help teach religion or substitute teach Latin or play football at recess. I'm not yet Patrick Mahomes. I love being able to receive the woundedness of marriages and families in the person of Jesus in the confessional. It is a tremendous honor to be able to help counsel and pray with couples and families at some of the most pivotal moments in their life. My priesthood makes sense when it is seen in relation to and at the service of marriages and families. And there is perhaps God's hand in writing this story because if some of you may know and some of you may not, my journey to the priesthood was not a one-way flight and it certainly wasn't direct. (laughs) There are lots of bumps and turns and surprises in the road. And just to share maybe one of them with you this morning Late 2016, early 2017, there were several different things just kind of going on in my life, in my heart, that moved me to want to reconsecrate my life and my heart to Our Lady. And at that time, I wasn't in the seminary, to be honest with you, wasn't really thinking about being a priest. I was teaching theology in a couple of different places around Kansas City, and one of those places was here at St. Michael's. And I was the RCIA guy, and I also taught some other adult faith formation classes. It was an honor to do that. And in May of 2017, like I say, I reconsecrated my life and my heart to Our Lady, just to give her permission to lead me wherever it was that she wanted me to serve her son. And as I began praying this consecration, I was doing it in anticipation of the church's celebration of the 100th anniversary of Fatima. And some of you maybe know, and some of you maybe don't, that in 1917, so 104 years ago, Our Lady appeared to three children in Fatima, Portugal. Two of those children are canonized saints. One of them lived a little bit longer, and so her cause is open, but she's not yet a canonized saint of the church. But the church has investigated uh, this apparition and has certainly given it her seal of approval. And in 1917, Mary delivered some really important, significant truths to these children. And I was very taken in reading and kind of praying through the story of this apparition that one of the things that Mary told the children in 1917 was that there was soon to be unleashed in the world the final battle. The final battle between the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of the Antichrist. The final battle between the powers of life and of death. And she actually told us where that final battle was going to take place in 1917. 
And she didn't say that that final battle was going to be, you know, on the gridiron or on the diamond. She didn't say it was going to be in the Middle East desert somewhere. She said that that final battleground was going to be in marriages and families. And in 1917, Our Lady told the church at Fatima that the final battle that would take place before the return of her son would take place within marriage and the family. 1917, Our Lady said that. And she didn't, she didn't say, like, it's going to be a five-minute battle or a 46,000-year battle. But I think if we're going to be honest, we would have to accept that we are in the midst of it. We certainly are in the heat of that battle for marriage and the family that Our Lady prophesied 104 years ago. In 1917, in the United States of America, the divorce rate was less than 5% of all marriages. In 2020, so just last year, 103 years after Fatima, the divorce rate in America is nearly 60%. That is cataclysmic. Since 1917, there has been an onslaught of a spiritual attack, whether it comes in the form of pornography, of no-fault divorce, of contraception, you pick your topic, but there has been an all-out assault against marriages and families. And this should not surprise us, because Our Lady told us that it was coming. But this also shouldn't surprise us, because the footprints of it have been laid in the story of salvation. In our first reading today in the book of Genesis, we hear God laying the foundations for marriage. God laying the foundations for marriage. Why is that important? Well, because marriage is not this like abstract thing that just sprung out of nothingness and then started existing. Marriage is also not the creation of human beings. Marriage is the creation of God himself. And shortly after God creates marriage, as we heard about in the first reading, we find the first onslaught against it. And who is it that is the enemy of marriage? Is it Our Lady? Is it the saints? No. Who is it who's the enemy of, of marriage? It's Satan. And so we see as soon as God starts it and institutes it, the first attack comes from Satan. And Satan attacks it time and time and time again throughout the story of salvation. But interesting to note, as Satan attacks it, God uses it. And so God begins the story of salvation in Genesis with a marriage. And we're told in the book of Revelation, at the end of the story of salvation, all of us have been destined for a marriage, the marriage of the wedding feast of the Lamb in his kingdom forever in heaven. And every high point throughout the story of salvation history tells the story in one way or another of marriage. God always speaks of his relationship with his children as a marriage. Jesus is married to his bride, the church. And we have always seen the Catholic Church as just that, his body and his family. And so I was personally very struck in 2017 reading this and praying with it. And so I told Our Lady as I consecrated my life and my heart to her, I said, Mom, I want to be part of the solution. And so you have my permission to lead me and to show me, however it is, you can use this one feeble, innocent life, not innocent life, (laughs) to be able to bring about a defense of your son's plan for marriage and the family. Almost exactly four years later, in May of this year, I was ordained a Catholic priest. 
And on May 29th this year, when I was ordained a Catholic priest, that is also the same day that the church celebrates the Feast of St. Paul VI, who, if you know your recent church history, you would recognize his name and you would say that is one of the shining lights in the last century of the church's defense of marriage and the family. And so I am very aware as a baby priest that my priesthood is at really the service of marriages and families. That's where my priesthood originates. That's what gives my priesthood life. And that's what the priesthood exists to do. And I know that I'm not unique in that because I know I can speak for Father Brian and Father Edward and pretty much every other priest I have ever met would also tell you that their priesthood makes sense, is amplified, and is drawn out of them as they enter more and more fully into relationship with marriages and with families. Why does this matter? Well, because this continued attack, this onslaught against the institution of marriage and the sanctity of life that is found, especially as it is transmitted in the Christian family, has been attacked. And it is being attacked And that attack is honestly not really going anywhere. And so I really recognize that there is an invitation from Jesus today to draw our attention to the fact that this attack is happening and to invite all of us to be part of the solution. And so, Father, how is it that we can be part of the solution? How is it that a priest is part of the solution in this battle? Well, we want to acknowledge that this battle is being fought now, but it's not news that this battle is being fought because this started in Genesis. It plays out all the way through salvation history, and we heard about it in the gospel today. Jesus was asked in the gospel today whether or not divorce is consistent with God's plan for salvation, and he gives a resounding no. It is not consistent with God's plan for salvation. And shortly after, Jesus would have been rebuked and rejected for his answer, One of his closest friends, St. John the Baptist, would have been martyred for telling King Herod off for not honoring God's plan for marriage and the family. 1,500 years later in England, we find King Henry VIII, who executes St. Thomas More and St. John Fisher for also refusing to be silent about God's plan for marriage and family and refusing to go along with the king's attempt to divorce his wife. And so here we find ourselves 500 years after this, and the battle is still ongoing. Perhaps it's maybe a little bit more heated, but it certainly has not started recently. This battle has been ongoing. And so here we are in 2021, finding now that the kings of our day and age want God's children to bow down before an altar that rejects his plan for marriage and family. And so the first way that we defend that plan is by refusing to acknowledge the plan as it is laid out by the kings of this age, recognizing that God is the author of marriage, not Caesar. In 2021, though, we want to recognize that Jesus has raised up saints in every age, and he invites us to look first and foremost to him for the strength, the courage, and the mercy to be able to live this plan well. In the Gospels, we hear that Jesus worked many miracles, but do you remember where he worked his first miracle? The first miracle Jesus worked was it raising somebody from the dead? Was it casting out a demon? No, the first miracle that Jesus worked was where? At a wedding. The first miracle that Jesus worked was at a wedding, and why was it at a wedding in Cana in Galilee and not in Bethany or Jerusalem or any other place 
There were lots of weddings going on at the time. Why was it at that wedding that Jesus first manifested his power and his glory? It's a very simple answer. You ready for it? Because that's where he was invited. And so I want to invite you on behalf of Jesus to invite him more fully into your marriage and into your family. What could that look like? Well, Jesus, first and foremost, wants to give his power, the power of his resurrection, the power of his life, the same power that is found in the heart of God that we receive every day in the Eucharist. He wants to give that power to every marriage and to every family. But I acknowledge as a Catholic priest that life is messy. And that's the whole reason why Jesus came. We want to never forget this. Why did Jesus come? Jesus didn't come because he was looking down at heaven. And he was like, wow, Father, those people really have it together. They never make mistakes. They are amazing. They're just like us. Let's go hang out with them. We could learn a thing or two from them. That's not why Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? Because all the way from heaven, he saw the wounds and the mess of a world that was lost, that was confused, and that was looking for him. And so whereas religion is the search of God, for, of God excuse me, the search of man for God, Christianity is the search of God for man. And so Christ went on the greatest rescue mission that the world has ever seen, and he desires again this day to launch that rescue mission wherever you are and however you come in the midst of the mess of life. And he desires again this day to give the gift of his mercy and to give the gift of his sacramental power to any one of his friends. Divorced people are certainly his friends. People who are the products of broken marriages certainly his friends. People brave enough to acknowledge that their marriage is on the rocks, certainly the friends of God. People who chose not to enter into marriage by making it a sacrament, but perhaps entering into marriage at an island or on a mountain or something like that, certainly the friends of Jesus. Jesus desires to meet us where we are, and he desires to meet us as we are, but he does not want to leave us there. Jesus desires to pour forth again into his body, which is you and I, the gift of his healing mercy, the gift that frees hearts, that heals hearts, and that transforms hearts. And so I want you to hear an invitation from this baby priest this day that my priesthood and the priesthood of Jesus is at the service of the friends and the people of God. And so wherever you are, however you come, The priests of the church desire to receive you and to walk with you and to accompany you into more fully unleashing the power of God himself in your marriage and in your family. Maybe that means coming to me and saying, Father, I didn't get married in the Catholic church, but I want to invite Jesus into my marriage. Maybe that's coming and saying, Father, I've been divorced and I really don't know what to do or where to go or what my options are. Maybe that's coming and saying, Father, life's great. We love being married. Can you come for dinner? That's a hint. (laughs) Maybe it's simply saying, Father, would you teach us? Would you bring us Jesus and would you pray for us that we can live God's plan for marriage well? Wherever you are, however you come, this is your family. And as a priest of the church, I know that I speak on behalf of Father Brian and Father Edward that we exist here at St. Michael's to serve you. And I know that we have not busy, Father Edward, full schedules. We have very full schedules. 
but every priest living here will absolutely make time to be present to any person who wants Jesus to be more fully invited and present in marriages. Why? Because that's the great battle of the day and age in which we are. You and I are in that time of final battle. And as we bring Jesus himself onto the altar this day, I want to invite each and every one of you to receive him where you are, as you are, and to invite him out of there to help receive more and more the power of his resurrection, the power of his love, that we may bear fruitful and faithful witness in this time and in this place to the amazing plan that God has and that he desires to reveal more fully in the power of marriage and family. The priesthood only makes sense when it is at the service of marriages and families. Put your priests to work.